The QPR Podcast Live is supported by BWIN, who are offering 5-1 to one that QPR will bounce straight back with promotion to the Premier League. For more QPR and football odds, go to bwin.com. QPR! Welcome to QPR Podcast Live at the Good Ship in Kilburn. Thank you very much, everyone here. If you're listening uh, at home, on your way to work, wherever you're listening, we are here in a fantastic venue in Kilburn, um, packed with QPR fans, um, and we have with us a very special guest. We've got our usual podcast regulars. I'm David Fraser. got Paul Finney from Indiars. This is where you say hello. Oh, hello. Uh, we have Chris Charles from BT Sport. Hello. We have Chris Mendez from ITV Sport. Hello. And we have a, a very special guest. We have a rare man who is responsible for uh, good times at QPR. Um, <laughs> probably two in recent years. It's not Bobby Zamora, so it must be the other one. Um, Boy, you're informed tonight. Thanks. You, you rocked that, didn't you, all day? So, uh, we are delighted to introduce the architect of Queen's Park Rangers' return to the Premier League after 15 years back in 2011. Give it up for Neil Warnock! <laughs> Thank you very much. That's all right. Neil, thank you for joining us. We'll start with a nice, easy question for you. Everybody here wants to know, when are they going to get a reply to their email? <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as I said uh, just previously, uh, I was looking through this morning in my office. I've got a, f- a massive box full of, of these emails, um, and I was going to do them all when I retired, but... Every time I retire, I keep getting another job. Uh, and my wife, you know, finally said, look, enough's enough. Um, so I'm sure that I will get round to it. I have sent one or two back, if I'm honest. Um, but it wasn't like you could do a standard reply um, thanking them for, the, for their email. M- most of the emails that I had, and, I, uh, and it was, we're talking thousands now, by the way. Not, we're not talking a few hundred. We're talking between four and 5,000. And most of them are... I've actually got a story behind the email. You know, uh, the dad was, uh, wanted to see the QPR back in the Premier League and passed away and all sorts of, you know, uh, things that, uh, yeah, that, that you couldn't just reply on a standard reply. They need a, an individual. So, you know, um, I will get around. I saw the shirt, the signed shirt on the top of it, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll, as a bit of a peace m- message, I'll bring that to the, uh, to the uh, meeting tonight and let you, let you uh, auction that off. So people can still expect a reply? I think they will. If I, if, if, if I live long enough, uh, uh, they can expect a reply, yeah, because it is hard work, but uh, more, like I said, most of them, it's not just a few lines. It's a, it would have to be a letter, really, to most of them, because they, they, they really need answering the, in, in depth. But I, it wasn't, it, it's not something... When I look at those uh, emails and, and the number of them and the quantity, it's that what really makes my job enjoyable, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, most people here knows what kind of situation the club was in when I came to the club. And uh, 
you know, we could have got relegated to the second division, come on, the first division as it is then, um, when I came. And to turn it around like we did, and, and then probably one of the most enjoyable seasons in my lifetime, and, and to do it in a way that I've never actually experienced in my career by working with certain player, players, <laughs> gone, um, and trying to build a system around individuals. At the same time, trying to keep the club uh, moving with, with, should I say, owners that were a little bit up and down, and uh, and trying to keep the happy medium. I'm sure everybody's seen the four-year plan. Well, that was a good version. <laughs> You know, I remember going to Scunthorpe when it was Scunthorpe Barnsley weekend, and uh, we lost four-one, I think it was, at Scunthorpe. And uh, I had Flavio on the phone, and you know, oh, coach, what are we doing? We'll get relegated. We're not. We would never get another point. And uh, and going on and on. And then Bernie rang me, and I said, look, Bernie, you've just got to trust me. We've come this far. I know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, you will get upset. That's the league. Bottom, but how can the bottom of the team, bottom of the league, beat the top of the league? So quite easy at, at this level. But it's what I do next week and the week after, and, and we'll still get promotion, so calm down. And he said, well, just don't take any bloody notice of him. Uh, uh, <laughs> he said, he goes off like that. How do you reflect on your time at QPR now? Nothing, nothing but... Happiness, really. It was it was a, a fabulous time. I love living in in Richmond. I like the training ground. I know it's not the best, you know, condition, and I know that they're looking. They've been looking since then. We made a lot of inquiries to try and get training ground, but it was just the atmosphere. Um, it needed a little bit of a lift. I never forget the first the first day at the training ground where. Um, when I go to a club, I always have a a, a match between the the players and. Uh, I used to tell them to put the pads on and have 11 aside or a small-sided game. And this particular game, um, we, would, we had an 11 aside game for half an hour. And the coaches were telling me, I didn't even know some of the names, and the coaches with him, he's that's who he is and that's who he is. And there's a lad here with gloves on in, in, in bloody, whenever I took over, it was warm anyhow, I know that, but he had gloves on. And uh, I said, who's that? And the, the coach said, that's Tarab. He will get you the sack. <laughs> he says, he will get you the sack. You've, the first job you've got to do, Gaffer, is get rid of him. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, the game, somebody got injured. I can't remember what it was. A physio come on, and I, and I shouted him over to me. I said, Adele, how are you? Very good, thank you, sir. I said, um, I've been told you're going to get me the sack. Me? No, 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 me. I'm, I'm nice, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I like the training, blah, blah. I says, well, we've got, I think, I don't know how many games we had left. Probably, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, something like that. I said, right, well, let me tell you now. So, and I said, when did you play last? I, I don't, the manager didn't play, the, you know, I don't. I said, right, well, I'm telling you now, I'm going to play here on Saturday. And you know, if you have a stinker, do you know what a stinker is? Poor? Bad? Do you know if you have a bad game on Saturday? Do you understand? He said, yes. If you have a bad game on Saturday, I'm going to play you the next Saturday. And I'm going to play you the following Saturday. I'm going to play you every game between now and the end of the season and you're going to keep me up. Do you understand? He said, yes. I, I do understand, but the manager doesn't play. I said, well, I'm the manager now and I'm going to play you. All right? So you're playing unless you get injured till the summer. 
And uh, that's how I got Adele. And uh, it was very difficult, you know, to... I'm sure I, did, I managed to write a book, um, which I, I actually got it included in the QPR time, called The Gaffer. And uh, it was great to... Um, you know, the following season to, to get senior pros like Derry, Clint Hill, um, um, uh, the, oh God, I can't even remember his name. Uh, yeah. What was his not Paddy Kenny, the striker? Come on, the Icelandic. Elgerson. Elgerson. <laughs> don't forget I'm 66 now, so the memory's going a bit. Your man. But he was absolutely unbelievable, was Haider. And I got them all, to, all together and, and just said to him, look, I'm going to go with we Adele this season and it's going to be very traumatic for some of you guys <laughs> I said uh, but I've made a decision I've never, never had a player like him in any of my teams um, and I understand where the, the previous managers have not wanted to play him but I've got a feeling about this kid and it's got something that we haven't got. And that I think in this league, if we can use him as the icing on the cake, but you guys have got to be behind me. Every one of you guys could be captain, but you're not going to be captain because Adele's going to be captain. <laughs> and if I can get 10% more out of Adele because he's captain, that 10% will get us promotion. So you've got to trust me. Um, and, and, and that's how it came about, really. The, he, um, the, um, the, they did, there were one or two moments, I think... I can't remember where it were now, at Hull, where Adele asked to come off and they were shouting at me, Gaffer, he wants to come off. I said, well, you can leave him on. He's going to stop on here, you know, because uh, he just got kicked a little bit. And, um, and, and we did persevere, and, and he gave us some brilliant moments. Probably the, the best goal, probably not the best goal in my career, but the, the, the most enjoyable goal for me was against Leicester City at home where he nonchalantly with the outside of his boot from the dugout just played it into uh, in, in, into uh, Wayne Routledge's you know he took it in one touch and put it past him and, and I, I just thought that epitomised him really he was a, I mean it's, you know at Cardiff when everybody expected us to get battered you know, it's two goals with a difference there, and it was a just a great. And, but we did have some like traumatic times where he didn't try at certain games, and I had to do things. But it was one of those battles for me that was worth it in the end because the good times outweighed the bad times. And when you've got your, you know, your basic players like your Derry and your Hills and your Paddy Kennett and that, uh, you know that you've got your base, and then you, you let your icing on the cake. You know, continue. So, fabulous times for me then. Why do you think none of the managers since you have managed to get the best out of Adele? I mean, this season particularly. Uh, the thing is, we don't know what's going on. Harry Redknapp saying he's too fat, and the next minute he's in the Daily Mail showing off his six pack or at least sucking his tummy in, whichever one you want to believe. Um, and I, I mean, I know we've had a bad season, but I think an Adele on fire in the same way that you got him on fire would have helped keep us up. So why, why do you think no one else... It's very difficult. Um, it's very difficult on a bad day to, 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 to cater for Adele um, at the top level and the championship, really. Um, you, you've, you've got to have a system, I think, to suit him. The system with the one up front, you've really got to give him a free roll. People have tried to play him wide, and, and he can't do that job. So you, if you don't play him in that free roll, and if you play him in that free roll, you've got to have pace out wide to get behind, which Jimmy Mackey, I thought, had a, had a good season. Even Hogan did well for us as well that year. So um, I think it's, it's just... I mean, when I took him from Tottenham... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure Harry won't mind me saying so. He, uh, when he played like he did for me, I remember seeing Harry and he, I don't know how the hell you've got that out of him. Um, you know, because his ability was never in question, but it, it's just how you fit him in to a system. And, uh, and you've got to love him. It's, it's no good, you know, um, rollicking him. And, you know, I mean, the things, you know, I got phone calls at middle of night telling me, you know, one day he was out at four o'clock in the morning and, and I pulled him in thinking he'd be apologetic and, you know, Adele, four o'clock in the morning, two days before a game. I said, hey, can you imagine if the directors knew about that? And he said, Gaffer, I don't drink. I don't, I, you know, I go home in the afternoon after training. I go to sleep for six hours. Then I get up. Then I go out. But I don't drink. I thought, Jesus, wept it's right here, isn't it? So it's a new, uh, it was a new, uh, a new learning curve for me. I thought, bloody hell, he's right. So I said to uh, Mick Jones, I'm going to go out with him next time. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, uh, I mean, you could say you're indulging him, but I mean, uh, why, why has nobody else, do you think everyone else has just like, refused? Because you don't strike me as the sort of person um, who would tolerate fools gladly. Um, but you obviously went out of your way to accommodate Adele. I mean, I know you had him round for tea at your house as well, didn't you? He, he, he got on really well with your kids. Mm. It's, it's just a smashing lad. Um, what shame it is for me is that when he went to Italy, he, he did well at Italy. But he couldn't, he couldn't maintain the standards off the field as he did on the field. And, and, and so the opportunity of going to a club like that didn't materialise. And if he'd have looked after himself off the field, he would have been, I think, a big hit in Italy, um, where I think his style of play is suited better. Um, You know, that's the one big regret. I'm glad that I've got a season out of him for the fans that saw that season to know exactly what he can do. And and, uh, because I always said to him, when you leave me, Adele, that's your career done. Because I said nobody else will bloody tolerate what, what, uh, what I have to tolerate, you know. Neil, uh, you mentioned the Sean Derry, Clint Hill, those type of characters that you brought in when you were in charge. Do you think the club have done enough to bring bring in honest players like that since since you've left? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think if Tony, uh, the chairman, well, I'm sure if he was asked, you know, six months after I left or a year after I left, he'd probably say we should. You know, he'd had a bit more experience and, and, and stuck with what we've got. But it's difficult when you've got agents in your ear telling him this thing's like better, best thing since sliced bread and that's no good and you've got to do this, you've got to do that. It's, it's difficult when you, you, you know, you're in that bottom half the table and, and you get influenced and these guys do influence you. I think if, if the same people talk to Tony now, he wouldn't give them the time of day. But it's, you know, it's like anything else. These people promise you you've... You know, utopia, and it, football's not like that. And so it's it's been a lot, a, a long, hard learning curve, really, for Tony. But you know, he is a nice guy, and and he's put a lot of money in, and he's, you know, sometimes he's, he's probably trusted the wrong people at times, you know, and, and you can't fault him for that, really. Um, it's, it's obviously a massive job for Chris Ramsey in the Championship next season. You've got bags of experience in that league, and he hasn't got any. How, how difficult is it going to be for him? It's not going to be easy because uh, the championship's such a long, hard slog, isn't it? Let's be fair. It's not, you know, even the Premiership, you've got, you know, weeks where you can coach. And Chris is a top coach. I asked Chris to come with me at Palace this year um, early on. I want him to be my first team coach. 
because uh, I think he's got a lot of attributes and he's a great guy. Um, but management's different, you know. So he's, you know, he'll have to adapt to the other side of management because you can't be a nice guy uh, all the time as a, as a manager. Um, so it'll be interesting, it. But it, it's not easy the championship. It, it's uh, it's one of the most difficult leagues I think you can you can enter without a lot of experience. So it's going to need a bit of luck and a, a bit of help. And, and uh, but it, get the support, you know. I think that you know they've decided at last to. Let's give somebody a chance and a support. But but I think first and foremost, the club's got to try and steady the ship and, and not, you know, end up like a Wolves and a Sheffield United and a Leeds and plummet to the next level. And it's not going to be easy, you know. So make no mistake, I, I don't think they'll come straight back up. And uh, and I think it needs a lot of hard work behind the scenes. And if I can help, Chris, I'm always on the end of a phone. Um, because I do think, you know, I still think a lot about the club. I was disappointed, if I'm honest. Last year I wanted to come back uh, against Huddersfield, I think it was, two of my old clubs. Because I thought, I've got to pick my club because I don't want the bastards booing me on the other end, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought, right, I'll, uh, Huddersfield was a, seemed a good one. So I remember ringing up Phil Beard at the time and saying, I want to come to that game. Could I go on to the pitch at half time and just say thank you? You know, to the fans, because I never really got a, ta- a chance to say thank you to anybody. And um, I never expected a problem, you know. And uh, so I, I rang Harry. Harry says, of course you can. I should think you bloody do. You deserve a medal for what you did and all that. You know, Harry was great. And they come back to me and said, it's a little bit awkward, Neil, you know, at the moment. And so I said, well, forget it then. And even though a week later, one of the young ladies rang me and said, Neil, we would, you know, we would think it, it is okay, we'd like you to come. I said, no, it's all right, darling, I'll, I'll, I'll come a, another time. And I've, I was, that's the only time I've been disappointed, really, because I, I haven't really had a chance to say goodbye to any of the lot, you know, and, uh, and it is a, a great atmosphere, isn't it, at Loftus Road. So it's, uh, hopefully next year I'll be able to pop back one yeah, day. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm sure we'd love to see you down there for a game next season. Yeah. And I'm sure the club are listening to this podcast, so... Uh, no, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. What I was going to say to you, Neil, when, when we were at Watford and it was all going mad and Smith and we all know what happened, did you then think that we would go on to beat that other lot down the road? And, um, Which other lot's that? Uh, the, 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 um, the lot that you nearly took a job with. Paul can't say it. I'll say it. Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea. Right. Okay. Um, well, I, th- I mean, the first thing I, I remember, I, I mean, from my point of view, uh, I remember Amit telling me his father would give me a million quid if we beat Chelsea. <laughs> I said, can I have it in writing? <laughs> We beat Chelsea 1-0 and I looked up at Amit I went, like that. <laughs> but it's not arrived yet. I'm sure it'll be on its way. Slow as possible. Uh, but it's, um, it was great to pit your wits against these guys, you know, and, and I felt on a, on a you know, decent day. With Everything was, was difficult for us, you know, what with... Um, it's so difficult to, to... We got promotion. I had six, seven players. I had Ashley Williams... In my house, I had uh, Danny Graham, who, who went on there. Um, I had two or three defenders. Uh, I had a couple of strikers. This was the transfer window? Straight or after, no, but, but, but yeah, after the end of the season. Right. Um, in the next six weeks. And every time I asked Flavio if I could sign these guys, the answer was no. You know, um, and uh, he said, we're not signing anybody because we're, we're going to sell the club. 
And, uh, and so all the players that I thought, the right type of players, as somebody mentioned earlier, bringing the right type to the club, I didn't want to, dra- to change it drastically. And uh, so these players all wanted to commit themselves, all wanted to come to the club, and I couldn't sign any of them. And, and then I had to ring him up and say, I'm sorry, and, you know, you'll have to go somewhere else, and good luck to you. And uh, that was a disappointing thing for me. And then, you know, because Tony didn't take over until well into August. And then, you know, it was sort of uh, whoever was left mm. and, and do the best you can, you know. And, and you can, that's not the way to do it, really. The way to do it is, you know, get promotion, get two or three players in straight away and, uh, and build your side. And, and we, we were never really in that position, which that did, did disappoint me, really, that. Did you, did you feel hard done by when you were sacked? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I, I felt that... Um, you know, we'd won three away games before Christmas. Bloody hell. I don't think, I don't think you've won three since I left. What really bugged me is the fact that the games up to me getting the sack were very, very difficult. And there was a run of about eight games coming up where we said, come on, let's dip us bread now. We, we, can, you know, we can buy another couple of good players first week in January and we can have a real go at these teams. And never got the opportunity to that. You know, to see somebody coming in and playing the lesser sides um, was disappointing for me, really. But it's, it's football and, and you know, you've, just got to, you've just got to get on with it, you know. Go, going back a wee bit to the, the Chelsea game, what? <laughs> Sorry, the one nil. What was it like for you as a manager? The atmosphere we remember was pretty re- electric. It was it was mad. We haven't played them so and so for so long. We, we we didn't like them. I don't know if you noticed. No, that. I know. I mean, I don't think they like us really either. Oh, really? Um, so what really uh, happened? Come on. No, I mean it was just it was th- things happening all the time, wasn't it? I mean the sending offs were unreal. Um, you were, you know, if if anything, it actually stabilised them really, um, because at half time we we said let's you know let's have a bit of let's you know have a go at them, yeah. let's change it, have a go at them. We never touched the ball against nine men. <laughs> Second half, um, so it was you know, but the commitment was fantastic, and uh, you know to beat Chelsea was 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 incredible, and uh, it it was you know I thought it was great. Like I said, the three away games. You know, I, I mean, I, I thought Everton, after getting beat four against Bolton and all the, you know, that was Tony's first game. He must have thought, bloody hell. Um, so after getting beaten four at Bolton at home, to go to, up to Everton and play so well and, and win, and then Wolves, then Stoke, which weren't easy, was it, Stoke, to get three away wins. And, I, you know, I did think I deserved a little bit of a, more of a chance. But, but you know, What would you have done differently, do you think? To um, change things, do you think if they give you more time, you could have? Well, you, you could have held us in that league. Well, I just I know. I just think that January was the opportunity. I thought I'd earned that for getting us up, and we were never in the bottom three, and for keeping us up there, uh, and only being able to buy players at the last minute. You know, last rush we had either three or four players in different executive boxes on deadline evening. A new chief exec, who'd, who'd, you know, Phil Beard, bless him, who's a lovely man, who'd just come from the O2. Mm. 
you know, it was just like... <laughs> that night. <laughs> it was just like a Brian Ricks farce, you know, and the young people in here won't remember them. But, uh, it, you know, we're going from box to box, uh, trying to get people signed. It was, it was unreal, really. And, and it, it wasn't the way to do business, you know. So, so it's, it's, it was just a matter of trying to learn as you went on and, and we could have stabilised things a lot better I think if, if we'd have been able to you know bring one or two players in early January and, and I, I've, I've no doubt that we, we could stay up you know I, I was surprised that it was you know almost went to the last game because I thought you know it would be it would would have been safe quite a while before that if I'm honest Well you, you speak about um having to buy those sign-ins so quick. It was a bit like a supermarket sweep trolley dash, wasn't it, really? It um, was, yeah. Um, is there any I'll of those... You, I'll tell you the one I was really disappointed in, and I, and, and, um, I was desperate to sign Scott Parker. Mm. I thought we just needed a calming influence in there, a good pro, just for that first season to, you know, and, and he, he, I spoke to Scott and he said, yes, he'd definitely come if Tottenham didn't come in for him and in that at that time uh, Daniel Levy wasn't letting Harry sign anybody at that age he, he didn't want to waste money on it you know older players so uh, and uh, it went you know it looked like we could sign him Tony were really keen it was Tony's idea when I said to him you know he said who do you want to sign I said I'd love Scott Parker go and get him then you know straight away go and get him so you know we, we'd, we'd gone down the line and agreed everything and then on deadline day, we got a phone call from Scotty saying Tottenham had made an offer and he was on his way to go and see him. And in fairness to the lad, he rang me at the end of the night, that deadline day night. He actually rang me and, and thanked me for, um, for trying to sign him. And, uh, you know, he said he, no, he, he appreciated that. But that, you know, that was the type of player I thought would, would have gone down well. But, but of the players you got, um, uh, I know one player causes... Uh more discomfort, shall I say, than any other, and that's Sean Wright Phillips. The fact that he was on a four-year deal, he's getting X amount of pounds a week. There's there's chat that he was offered to loan uh, to various clubs and turned it down. H- how did you find him as a professional? Well, I think if you, uh, I think I mentioned Sean in my book, and I don't really want to get into that tonight. If I'm not coming along no, okay. here no, to fine. talk about the players that are, are still there under contract, I think if you read my book, that states what I feel about him as a professional. Okay. Neil, Neil, um, you've, you've throughout your career, you've, you've quite often you've been at clubs where they've been taken over. I know you've mentioned that, um, and there's been like a switch in owners. Uh, what? What changed when at QPR when it was taken over? When I know you said it was very up and down when Flavio was there. Um, what changed when Tony came in? Well, it, I mean, it, it, Tony just wanted to do well. You know, he was desperate to do well, really, and uh, we, we needed a, an influx of players. And it was just a wasted summer. I could have gone away after the celebration. I mean, that was another thing. I was absolutely distraught me that we couldn't afford or didn't want to have a parade. Didn't organise one. I just thought it was... uh, You know, the one one opportunity to to, to actually thank the fans and, uh, you know, I went to see the the people. Not Tony, I I went to see certain people in the offices that were involved with the finance 
and they said that, first of all, they said that the council couldn't find a day and, and the, the, or the, you know, we had to do this. I said, surely we can just have an open-top ride and, you know, it's not going to cost a fortune. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't allowed and, and that. So that, that, was, that was a real... I thought that was a sickness of me. Well, me, I mean, I think I speak for everybody here. I mean, that, that's the thing that we never had a, a, a real chance to thank you mm. for everything that you've done for us. Uh, and I mean, when you, when you first got the job, we were deep in relegation trouble. I mean, in your wildest dreams, could you ever have imagined us winning the championship the following season? Yeah, I could imagine it in pre-season, yeah. Once we'd made the changes in the summer, once, once I'd seen what I could do with Adele, once I knew if we could improve in certain areas, um, and and then we came back and had a good pre-season, and uh, so it, it was it was really good to to know. I, I think the day that the, the moment that I thought we, we'd go automatically get promoted is at one particular away game, where when the final whistle went, I turned to. Uh, to my assistant at that stage and just said I'll tell you now lad we'll go up now we'll go straight up he went what do you mean he said we were 2-0 down 5 minutes ago <laughs> I said we will go up you wait and see the spirit at Derby was fantastic yes. you know and, uh, and then I, I had a you know I think you get feelings when you've had promotions like I've had 7 and you know you get feelings when you've got a group that you think because you don't need a group that's, that's just okay on, on lovely summer evenings. Championship, you know, you go to places like Scunthorpe and it's yeah. chucking it down with rain and, you know, the dressing room, you know, if I were playing QPR, we used to put a bucket of water down the walls before they arrived in the dressing room and little things like that. <laughs> <laughs> to welcome the southern softies. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it is, a, like I said, a difficult league. A couple of the... Um a couple of players this season have said, you know, that um, it was always going to be a struggle in the Premier League because of pre-season. So would your advice for next year would be go down to Cornwall? Well, I just think you can... When you go to Cornwall, uh, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly who, where I'm going to play. And it's a great environment for doing that training. Getting one or two new players mixing with the squad without pressure on them. And also, uh, I know it sounds silly, but I also thought it was a great time for the fans yeah. but you know a lot of fans with kids used to come down for a week in Cornwall used to get in caravans it didn't cost a lot of money you know they used to stop here and just drive over to, I made sure the games were quite close together um, so the families used to come out and we used to let them come and watch us train one day a week you know one day we were there and make a bit of a, 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 a day of it and, and I think it, it just the whole club came together I just felt it was a just a f- friendly family club, so not wrong with Cornwall pre-season. Uh, Neil, we've got a question on Mixler here, and we've got about 20 minutes left of this part of the podcast. We, hopefully we will have time for a few questions um, in the pub and also through Mixler, so if there's anything you want to ask Neil, get that ready for towards the end of this section. The Jersey guy wants to know, how hard do you think FFP will hit QPR? Well, I, I'm, I'm not in the know-how for that, if I'm honest, so I, I, I haven't got a clue. Uh, that, that's me no neither. Good. It's no good me answering that. Does anyone that. actually Move know on. what this means? I don't even know what FFP stands for. I thought you were being a bit rude at the time. I, 
I thought I'd spelt it wrong. <laughs> um, let, let me ask you then about the culture at QPR. This has come up a lot on message boards towards the end of the season. That there's somehow been kind of a loss of, of culture at QPR, and it's gone quite a long way from what many of us know the club to be. Um, which is kind of that family club, the West London, you know, being in touch with its roots in West London, getting that right first before kind of what happens on the pitch. Was that your experience when you were there? And do you think that has changed since? And, and do you, what do you think the club needs to do to get back to what everybody feels was, was, were kind of those good and better times? Well, I, think, I, think, I think the fans at QPR are pretty resilient and, and uh, I, I don't think they'll automatically expect that they're going to get straight back up because I think most of them quite got common sense really uh, which is unusual for fans if I'm honest <laughs> um, so you it's, met Paul? it's a matter I was warned about him at the back by the way <laughs> they said don't get involved with him <laughs> so anyhow um, I think that um, it's, it's always important sometimes you forget about the youth system um, you know we had a it's quite difficult to now to bring players through into the team especially at championship level um, but I do think the time has come for a club like UPR or, or teams like that rather than go down you know spending the fortunes on, on this player and that you know there are players around that you could pick up at a reasonable cost and probably, you know, in the 20 to 24 age group. And I think that's the time now to, to try and build a few like that. And, and the championship, at the same time, don't lessen your opportunity of, of getting back up because, you know, you want everybody wants to get back into the Premier League. But there are good players around. Um, but sometimes it might be more, in, more wise to invest in, you know, four or five hundred grand... In, in those kind of players uh, in the champion, just take a sort of a step backwards. At and times. what about the youth system? Well, it's, it's, it, I've got to say it's not it's not it's not the best of you know that I've seen coming through. Why is that? Um, well, it, it's, I think because facility-wise, it's it's always been a battle, really. I mean, the coaches were fantastic when I were there. The the, the coaches Birch and, and, and Stevie, I think they, you know, all the all the um, the, the coaching staff were, were really keen. But it's difficult to sort of get players away from the other clubs around. You know, London's, a, a, you know, everybody's after London, aren't they now? And, and now the top clubs, it's, it's such a, it's such a, uh, well, I'm disgusted with what's happened now with the lower clubs, you know, the Premier League. They've taken over now, aren't they, really? They signed one of the best players from a lower division club. And, and they can get him out for nothing now, or you know, twenty grand or what have you. So the lower clubs, it's not not getting the money either. It's a it's a very difficult scenario now. But there are kids. I think you've got to, the scouting network's got to be good. There are free transfers and, and lads on you know that want to play. You've got to get lads who. I mean, if you ask somebody who watched that season what you liked about that season I don't think we ever ever looked like we weren't going to win even when we weren't winning I think everybody expected bloody hell he'll turn it round or the lads will turn it round and and you know to see people like you know I thought it was a mistake that Jamie, Jamie Mackey was allowed to go because you need you need massive mistake you know um, you, you need people like Jamie Mackey at your club and 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 yes, all right, you might be limited in certain things, but I think people like that epitomise what the crowd 
wants and, and wants to put their hat on sort of thing. Are you with me? And I think that's what's going to be needed this year. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him bring him back in one or two others like that. Uh, can I just take you back to the Watford game? You can. Um, when you were dancing on the pitch, or certainly on the sidelines, we were all up in the stands. There was QPR fans dotted all around the ground, having uh, somehow managed to get in. I mean, during those celebrations, was the, the, the back of your mind, were you thinking, because of the Alejandro Forlan thing, were you thinking, are we up or, or not? Or were you confident yeah. that we were actually up? No, I mean, I, th- I mean, from a manager's point of view, I thought, well, I've, I, I can't do any more. You know, from mathematically now we're up, so I've done my job. Um, but <laughs> with what was going off at the club with Flavio and Bernie and, and Gianni, who I love dearly, John, um, you just didn't know really. Uh, you know, it's all right. The only thing I could say is about three weeks before the end of the season, um, the journalist. Um, uh, Sean Custis, I never forget. I know Sean yeah. quite well, and uh, did a big headlines in the paper. You know that we were going to. You know, a source <laughs> told him that we were going to lose nine points and get relegated. You know, and, and not going to be in the playoffs. And you know, uh, and I had to do it. Fortunately, I did a column in the Independent at that stage, and uh, and I put a source has told me that that's a load of bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> And I asked the independent, could they put that without the ollocks in it? <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, anybody can say a source, can't they? Yeah. But I went to see the QC. I didn't, I didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust anybody at all from what they were saying because I, I, I just didn't, didn't know. So I asked if I could see the QC, and I went to see the QC. And I asked him, can you tell me straight what the situation is? And he went through everything and all the legal jargon and all what had happened before at different clubs and, and liking situations like that. And he said to me, I can assure you that there won't be points deducted. I think at the very most there'll be a fine and a reprimand. Um, it just doesn't warrant points. I said, that's all I want to hear, sir. And uh, I went back the next day and I've got goose pimples now while I'm talking. And I sat the players down and I said to the players, listen, you've got to trust me now. I've been to see the top guy. And he said, that, you know, we've just, got to get, we've just got to get our house in order. We've got to get the points and he'll do the rest. And, uh, and, and that's what he did, you know, in the, in the, in the last game. I mean, the Watford game was, was amazing, wasn't it? You know, I can see the cross and I can see Tommy. Um, you know, but the fans, it was just a special day, really. And, uh, you know, as a manager, that you, that's what you dream about, days like that. And uh, the last game, Leeds, I know we lost it, but I don't think anybody... No, when that nobody cares. announcement came out and you yeah. saw Gianni running up and down that tunnel, um, I know, you know... No point, no point! Did you, did you know, when the announcement came, did you know at the same time as everybody else? I mean, well, no, only, because we, we, I mean, I was in the green in Shepherd's Bush. I mean, yeah. it was one of them Kennedy moments, you remember was, where you were. because they were... And, 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 and I was there, and, and, and uh, what's his name, the bald bloke from the BBC came on and said... Clem. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Cool. He was there. Well, they see they all interviewed us are coming into the ground, didn't they? About you know the point situation. I said, well, look, let's you know. I've been told this, and I'm quite I'm quite confident, and and so you know it was always on the back of your mind. But then you know when that happened just before, I mean the relief in the dressing room. We, you know, we haven't said anything, but everything come out. And if I'm honest. I, I'm surprised any of them could run about. <laughs> they were all, we were all so mentally deflated. Yeah. 
Um, we've been through so much in six weeks that, you know, um, and it didn't matter anymore. I know it sounds silly, but the game didn't matter anymore. And, and uh, it was just all the hard work and everything. It was, it was just an amazing, amazing time, really. Uh, and no more than we deserve it. I mean, Ali Fallen, bless him, to get his injury like he has as well. I mean, he's probably the best midfield player. He's another one like Adele. I loved it. Ali, uh, I had one bust up with him where he threw some attack me. I think it was a sausage roll or something like that. Um, but we made up straight away. And, uh, you know, I had one bust up with him. And, uh, but what a gem of a play. I loved him, me, Ali. And, uh, you know, I wish I'd have been, I wish he'd have played for me for a few more years. But the thing is, Neil, I'm going to again talk about Watford. We did a, a special walk that day, myself and Chris, um, for the QPR Tiger mm. Cubs. So we walked all the way there. Yeah. Bacon sunshine, everything. Can I just say, as a QPR fan, and I'm quite old and going bold, thank you so much for one of the best days of our life. And thank you so much for that season. Thank you. I mean, uh, I've got to say, after the Watford game, um, uh, I'm not the kind of, of manager that sort of breaks down or out like that, but I remember, because after the game, I always got them sat down after five minutes, and whether we lost or won, and, and then had a quick chat with them. And, you know, everybody was buzzing in the dressing room, and I calmed them down. Uh, I was just going to plan to say, well, listen, the hard work starts now. You know, we've got to enjoy today, and blah, blah, blah. And I started talking, and I just filled up. I could talk. And, uh, and it was just amazing. I just thanked them all. I went through them all, and I went, you know, the, the ones all that I knew and individually went through them and just thanked them all and, and knew that they'd remember this day for the rest of their lives because it was something special. It feels like a good time to go to questions from anyone else here in the pub. We've got about ten minutes left. Do you so think they should come up, come up well, here to the mic? What we'll have to do is the, you'll if have to listen. Sh- if the QPR you'll have fans, to, they'll let you'll, us all you'll have be to heard shout the, the question out, and then for the sake of people, no, come, give him a come down, come down and grab a bag. Oh, Finney's got a roving mic. Everybody, watch out! You have to come down here. It's only roving well, to the the front of the table, though. Thanks. This is actually a general question uh, about football. Uh, you've been in the game a long time. Um, we've seen over the past few years in sport the amount of stuff, you know, games thrown, gone in snooker and in cricket and uh, um, even in lower leagues here. Uh, We've seen it happen in Italy and in Spain. I think we tend to be, in England, a bit arrogant, saying, oh, well, that happens over there. They're Latin countries. They do that because they cheat. Just look at Maradona. Do you find... I mean, what is is your opinion about this in the English game? Uh, Do you ever find yourself looking at some bit of play, thinking like, that's not right. Or like, what, is, what has he done there? Or do you ever find yourself thinking, and I'm not going way off on conspiracy theories, but do you think perhaps we are a bit naive? 
I think he's saying uh, does match fixing happen in English football? Yeah, no, I think you, well you can't say that because in, in English football, the two guys have just gone down for it, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, from the non-league, so from the non-league, yeah. But I, I just think that it only happened to me once, and that was um, I was asked to uh, uh, earn a few quid uh, in China when I was at Sheffield United, and all I had to do was lose three one to this Chinese team pre-season. So the guy asked, you know, said, I said, well, we can't do that. We, I said, we, even if we wanted to, I said, my lads don't know how to do it like that. So, uh, anyhow, it went on, and um, they were a good side, but the, the president of this Chinese club was under a lot of pressure. They needed to win 3-1. So we get kicks the game off, and they were so good, we, we hardly touched the ball, and they were 2-0 up. Then we got a goal, and sod's law, they got a third goal. <laughs> So we come off and I was looking for the Chinese lad. I said, yeah, I've done it for you, son. <laughs> but he didn't pay me. <laughs> uh, I think it was about 20 grand, something like that. And that was for a pre-season friendly game. But uh, it wasn't to be. Next question. Uh, Jim's got a question. It's a very bad question time. I'm sorry. Hiya. Um, you talked about the championship players like you know, Derry Hill, Kenny, being really key. In my mind, they kept us up in the Premier League. Would we have just been better off not signing anyone in that August transfer window? Well, I think, I think everybody's right after the event, really. You know, it's just that when you're there, as a manager, you've got, you, just, you know it's like no other league, the Premier League, because when the, sh- when the end of August comes, you're on your own till January. You can't go and get a loan player in or anything like that. And so all the top clubs are covered. But, you know, when I was at Sheffield, we lost two centre-halves and a third one that could play centre-half in the space of a week in September. And we haven't got a centre-half for six weeks. Well, you can't do that. You, you know, you've got to have players in your 25 that can fill in if you get injury crises and all that. And so it just gave the other teams that come up a lot more advantage because they did all the, all the signings and, and, uh, and what have you. Uh, so I think, you know, if you look back in it, you, you, you just can't. You, you know, you, can't, you have to do what you can do. Uh, and, uh, you know, if some, of the, if some of the signings were wrong because they were quick, you know, there were other good signings as well. But it's, it's just, do, you know, the club or any football club, you have to do what's, what you can at the time, really. We needed players, full stop. Uh, you, know, can I ask, uh, you mentioned earlier on Wayne Routledge, who I thought was absolutely brilliant while um, he was playing for us at the club. Were you blocked from signing him just because of finances by uh, Flavio? And, uh, and it was difficult. Um, I wanted to sign Wayne. Um, but, he, you know, he was... And he wanted to come as well, yeah. you know, London lad. That's what we heard. We, yeah. thought, we thought, you know, he I was know. fit. And, uh, you know, it, but it, it, talking... Financially, um, they didn't want to. They didn't want to spend any money on transfer fee. They didn't want to spend any money on wages. So, in the end, you know, I said to Wayne, "You've just got to look after yourself." So and he's one of the players that came out to your place. Yeah, and told oh, him no, he, he, he didn't come yeah. out to my place because I'd already spoke to him at the right, training. Right, which obviously, yeah, yeah. He was and he want, you know, he wanted to come. Without a shadow of a doubt, he would have signed. The ne- His mother would have brought him. Because I think we missed day. him that next season. I think we d- we did miss him. You know. Oh, uh, absolutely. He, he yeah. fitted in really well. At yeah. Because he was a bit of quality as well. You know. Exactly. All right. Didn't score enough goals. And I've still, funnily enough, I still we still text each other now and then. <laughs> I'm not into this Twitter lot, you know, <laughs> uh, and all these Facebook things. I know Tony is. <laughs> he used to 
text me about three o'clock in the morning and somebody aging to give him a player and this player and what's he like? Half of them I'd never heard of. Um, but, you know, this, that's how it is nowadays, isn't it? Social media. You know, there's more players talking to chairman and things like that now, which is difficult for old-fashioned managers like me. You know, I think you, you want to really run it how you, you see fit. But it's, uh, you know, their prerogative now when they put the money in. But Wayne was definitely one we wanted to sign. I read the book, by the way. It's fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've got time for two more questions before we finish this section. Hi, Neil. Hi. Um, if, you were, if you were Chris Ramsey uh, at the start of next season, would you try and persuade Adele Tarrapt to stay at QPR and be our talisman for next season? I think, well, I think the manager has to look around and, 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 and he'll know what he wants from a player. He'll know, he'll have an idea what he can get out of him. You know, he's fortunate in the fact that he's been at the club now a number of months. You've got to have that grounding before the summer to get you, you know, to get to grip. Um, so there's only Chris knows that. And like I say, it's a challenge with Adele. Um, but you would, you, would, would, you, would, would you? Well, I'm, I mean, it's different because I know what, what I can get out of him so you would. and how to deal with him. But it is difficult. And, um, you know... Um, some of the lies I had to tell Adele and some of the lies I had to tell the board and the press. I mean, unbelievable. But we got there. He's uh... a class act that gets out of the championship though again now, wouldn't he? It is, yeah. It's just like I say, it's just if Chris thinks he can. I mean, he is a, you don't get a problem with him. Yes, training-wise is difficult some days because he's been up till four o'clock. Um, but, you know, you have to, you have to understand... For me, it's what he does on a Saturday. And Keith Curl at Sheffield United, I had an email one day, Keith was playing for me centre-half, and I had an email one night from a director addressed to the chairman, the chairman forwarded it on. Uh, you, could, you, could the manager ask, answer me why Mr Curl, uh, one of his players, was at this club at 2.30 in the morning with a pint of beer and a blonde-haired lady around his shoulder smoking a cigarette... And I looked at the, to the thing and I, so I emailed him back. I wish the director would get his facts right, I said. I said it was a half a pint. <laughs> <laughs> but Keith Curl never trained, but he was my best player on a Saturday, week in, week out. Hi, hi Neil. Hi. Um, I was going to ask your opinion on Joey Barton, but having heard your Sean Wright Phillips response, I might say... Well, I think on the day, they're, 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 they're excellent players, but I don't think it's for, my, you know, for me to talk about them tonight when they're at the club. And, and the, you know, the contract situations, nobody knows yeah. with, the, with the contracts being up. No, absolutely. So, a, a wider question. Um, what's your opinion on players and the use of social media and the Twitter, and as an old-fashioned manager... Um, would you have some kind of code of conduct? Well, it's just difficult. You, well, you can't have a code of conduct now. It's, uh, you know, what is it, lack of freedom or whatever they call it. Um, it's, it's something that's in now. And, and unfortunately for managers, you know, there's so much happening now. What, what chairmen don't realise at times is, is when a, you allow a player to talk to you, it undermines the manager so much. And then players get a lot of power and, and then... You know, okay, you know, when you leave them out or they're not happy, it causes so much hassle and, uh, and so many problems for managers. So, you know, I'm not surprised that there's going to be probably coaches in the future rather than managers, are you with me, in, in that respect? Um, but it, it's, you know, now it used to be just 
5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people telling the manager where it's going wrong on a Saturday. You know, all of a sudden, you've got radio this and radio that. Everyone's, you know, my first... When it first came out, it was at Sheffield, these phone-ins. The first phone call I ever listened to at Radio Sheffield was... Um, the manager has not got a clue. Uh, you know, his tactics were a disgrace. He doesn't know what day it is. You know, he's got to go, hasn't he? And then the guy said, yeah, yeah, well, you know, you've got your opinion. You came down today and saw the game. No, I didn't, he said. No, I didn't come to the game. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, here we go, you know. So to get, you know, you get phone-ins like that and, and you get the same people on them and, and you know, you get... You, you get television programme showing everything it is so it's just so much difficult nowadays with, uh, with, with, with technology and, and you can't stop them you know my one grievance uh, if I'm honest with the modern day player is that I, you know I've tried at the two clubs I've just been at uh, in the Premier League to, to get players to come off the bus without their headphones on so they could sign a few autographs I, I just don't think it, it does any harm to sign two or three young lads autographs uh, uh, We've got time, we've got two minutes left of this part, so we'll go to the last question very quickly. All right, Neil. Um, over the years, we know you've had such a great relationship with referees. So um, I'd like to ask, which referees did you like refereeing your games and which referees you didn't? <laughs> uh, I struggle to remember any, really, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, uh, listen, all the referees, I always had a chat with them after the game as well, and, and I tried to be constructive on my reports, which nobody, you know, it didn't go... I used to compl- I used to send play, uh, referees copies of my report when I complimented them and said something, and I used to put it at the end of it, P.S., don't let anybody know I've complimented you. <laughs> you know, because it gets me a bad name. Uh, but they were good, they were, they were good referees, but Mike Riley's in charge of the referees now, and, and for me, Mike was one of the poorest referees. And uh, I think that Mike's getting referees almost like mechanical referees. And my dad was a class one referee, but he'd never get to the top because he was a bit like me. He used to say a few words to the players at the same time. Um, but for me, the one rule that the, the, the top referees nowadays still do is they use common sense. And... When I hear assessors and people now at these referees meetings saying they'll get marked down for that, for not doing this or not doing that, for me, if you're in charge of a game and you've got the players on your side, to hell with bloody things like that, you know, it comes down to common sense. And so the young refs, you know, Michael Oliver, he had a bloody nightmare against us at Villa, give a penalty against, and then fortunately we managed to get an equaliser, Helgerson, last minute, uh, at Loftus Road, and... Uh, you know, he gave a penalty for nothing. And then when he saw it, apologised to me, you know. But he, he's a top referee. He's going to be a top referee. It's just that some of them have chips on their shoulders and, and you know, it's, a good referee, you never see him. And, and I think nowadays the build-up and, you know, a referee having an agent, you know, like, come You're on. You're joking. Having a private number plate, some of them, you know. Yeah. I've got one, by the way. Just, just, <laughs> just one quick, very quick question uh, before we go, Neil. Um, if circumstances arose, would you ever consider managing QPR again? In my dreams, yeah. I often wake up thinking it'd be nice that. Um, I think it's just, it's just, uh, you know, my wife now has asked me, please 
can we have a bit of time? I mean, I've got far more interesting things to do. I went swimming with the dolphins about six weeks ago in Mexico. Yesterday I went paintball in... It was my son's birthday, and I've never seen a son's birthday for about, you know, that's 14. And I went paintballing, and I, I didn't do bad, actually. You know, I killed a few of the buggers, I'll tell you that now. I kept imagining they were referees. Right. So, you know, it's, uh, but if I can help, if I can help in any way, I would do, you know that. I think a rule of director of football somewhere yeah, yeah. shared with somebody else. Now, Neil, when... We got, we got, everyone here remembers when we got relegated, don't you? The first time from the Premiership. And, um, yeah, from the, uh, oh, from the yeah. yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, you're all right. Um, it's his, it, it, it's his it, accent, isn't it? I know. <laughs> don't worry. The guy said that, the guy said up there, you'll never bloody understand a word he said. That was his mum. Um, it was a long dream, and we, we, we spent many years in the wilderness. We had administration, we had so many bad years, and you came along, and you gave us a reason to be happy, and I think everyone should stand up and applaud this man for what he's done for QPR. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. QPR podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production. QPR, QPR, Rangers are